Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I am Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett. Rob, how's it going? You say it says no problemo on your t-shirt, I've just noticed. No problemo, so those in the streetwear game know what that means. But yes, it's my new t-shirt from Aries Arise. Uh, but yes, good, feeling good today. Sun is out again. You know, we will start with the weather at the moment, don't we? I'm feeling a little bit hot now. Just said to you, we came on camera. It's just like, it was, it's been quite cool the last few days, isn't it? Really good for, for filming conditions. But today, a little bit warmer. So it might, might look a little bit sweaty. Well... You won't be able to see Rob sweating if you're listening on audio, but you can watch us on YouTube. And if you don't, please do. We're at The Promised Land, a Manchester United podcast on YouTube. So please subscribe to the channel. Watch, like, comment, etc., etc. Uh, and we'll come come and check back on the comments. And we'll, uh, well there will be one point where we come back for a, a comment show, I'm sure. Uh, but yes, also subscribe on all your major podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And let's get into the social media section, because the social media section is just a, a barrel of laughs at the moment. So follow us on Twitter, if it still works. I am now double underscore Scott Saunders, not underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show on Twitter. Um, I'm double underscore Scott Saunders on Instagram and TikTok. And now Threads. As well. Threads is a thing. Rob, are you a thread man yet? No, basically, not yet. Uh, as I said to you before, I think I'm going to wait a little while. Like, Twitter's bad enough, isn't it? Like, do do I really want to go into another world where there's Twitter Mark II? Not really at the moment. But Twitter is on its like knees, isn't it? It's on its way out in terms of a business. So, there's no doubt we're going to pop up elsewhere. I'll tell you what, Scott, let, let, let the audience tell us where, where will you guys be, people that watch our products and watch our show and, you know, love football and love Man United. Where are you going to be in the next 12 months? You tell us and we shall follow. I have had a few uh, Instagram DMs over the last few days uh, from the likes of shout out Baza Duff on Instagram, shout out Robin Sharma on Instagram as well. Because uh, people, I, I, I never plug my Instagram, like ever. But um, now I've just decided. I may as well, because we're going to have to make more video, more clips, this kind of thing. They might be coming your way pretty soon. But yes, at underscore Scott Saunders, double underscore Scott Saunders, sorry, on all those plat- podcast, podcast platforms. What's going on today? Platforms in general, social media platforms, underscore Rob, underscore B, and at Promise and MU for Twitter as well. Uh, and come and join us in Las Vegas from July 28th at United Con. Visit united-con.com to book your place now. And uh, Rob, what are we going to talk about today? Because there's a lot going on in the Man United sphere. Mm. Seems like they're starting to move forward on transfer targets and we can go through the running order. I can do it or you can do it or we can just get into the first topic of discussion. It's up to you. 
Well, let's just get straight into it, as we've been telling everyone about our socials for, for ages. I think uh, today we will be talking about a certain goalkeeper. Zion Suzuki. <laughs> the, the, the Zion Suzuki show is coming, so bookmark that, everyone. If you uh, if you follow us on YouTube, you will see that eventually. Um, but yes, the other goalkeeper today. The other goalkeeper is Andre Onana. It seems like Man United are closing in on a transfer for the interkeeper. They've had two bids knocked back over the last few days. I think Wednesday, Thursday, they've been... Well, they've been chatting to Inter this whole time. Two bids have gone in. United have had their valuation. Inter holding out for 60 million euros. But I think the the gap between the two bids, uh, the, the valuation and the other bid from United is so real close now that mm. I think we're going to be... By this... If you're listening to this at, say, 6 p.m. in the UK... On Friday, chances are, I think United will have struck a deal for Andre Onana by that point. It is that close. And uh, we'll be talking about the merits of Andre Onana in the Man United goal. Why Eric Ten Hag wants him. We'll do a little bit of talking later about Mason Mount, who's been confirmed as a United player. And uh, some comments from Sir Jim Ratcliffe on uh, the takeover as well. We'll address those towards the end of the show. But Andre Onana, Rob, it look this one looks like it's going to happen, doesn't it? It's effectively done. So they're just basically dotting the I's, crossing the T's. It looks like the deal's going to come in at around £47 million upfront cash with add-ons, which I think is around the valuation. Like we, we always felt that this was going to be a £50 million deal. Manchester United put a cheeky £38.2 million offer up front uh, a few days ago, and that was obviously going to be refused by Inter Milan. But of course, the other side of this, Scott, is that Inter Milan now are actively in the market for a goalkeeper. They're out there. They're asking. It looks like Sommer from Bayern Munich is their preferred target as it stands. And I think that these two deals will simultaneously materialise. Uh, Inter are quite happy because they're going to get a ton of money for a player, as we said last week, it was a free transfer only 12 months ago. Uh, and they're selling at the top of his stock. So, like, for instance, it's a little bit like when we signed the butcher, Martinez. You know, IX sold him at what they believed was the top of his stock at that moment, because the deals were around 40, 45 to start off with. I think it's the same banana here is that, that that kind of 50 million pound mark for a goalkeeper. It's, it's a lot of money for a goalkeeper, isn't it? But I think in the modern game, that's where you're going to go now with the top goalkeepers. They're going to be around that mark. Are you on mute, Scott? I'm on mute. Sorry, What's, I, I didn't even press mute there. Anyway, there's an argument to suggest, and some people have suggested that Man United have overpaid for Mason Mount. I'd say about, about 10 million quid, perhaps, given his contract status. Are United overpaying for Andre Onana here, or is this a fair deal? Okay. If we're looking at 55 million euros. Okay, I think before the Champions League final, which is kind of where his stock went up hugely, um, he was probably a 38 to 40 million pound goalkeeper, probably. But there is the Manchester United taxation system, no doubt about it, is that Man United are in there. You have to put a few more zeros on it. And I think with Onana, it's needs must, isn't it? Because Man United need a goalkeeper because they messed up the whole David De Gea thing. So Inter have known that all along. And, and Inter have said, I think in their discussions with United, we, we kind of know you really want this goalkeeper. We know why you want this goalkeeper. Today, we will elaborate on that. This show is going to be about why Ten Hag wants Andre Onana. But I don't think it's too much overpaying, Scott. I think 48 million upfront cash with achievable add-ons of another 5 million. Very, very similar to the Mason Mount deal. Slightly overvalued. But come on, like there's no point 
getting upset about a few million quid on top. Though, of course, that's Man United's uh, prerogative, isn't it? Is that the owners are looking at it. They never want to waste a penny, the Glazers. We know this. But they do end up but having they to do. But they do. And that's the irony of it all, isn't it? Is that they, they run a tight ship for them, but they actually don't run a tight ship for us. So when it comes to these deals, they end up paying more. And it's Man United to pay more, not the owners. So I, I think Anana is an essential sign. And that's what I said to you last week. I think this is a goalkeeper and a player that you just got to get now. Preseason started, Scott. They're in Carrington. You know, you need to start working with your goalkeepers. And that means you've got to get Anana from Italy and get him into the country as quick as possible. Yeah, I mean, this isn't this isn't the Anthony transfer, for example, is it? You know, we're Definitely. around about a year ago. I remember there was chat that United could have got Anthony for £40 million. That was never going to happen. I remember saying that on this podcast as well. That was never going to happen. But you probably could have got him for around the price at 55 60 million quid. I yeah. would say United ended up paying in August £85 million or, or whatever it was. And, you know, that's not the way to behave. So it's kind of encouraging, in a sense, that despite all the difficulties with the ownership and the... We'll, t- we'll talk about that later. That's still going on. Uh, and it's, <laughs> according to Jim Ratcliffe, no signs of it changing anytime soon. Um, but at least it's it's relatively encouraging that United are doing their business pretty early. Like you say, preseason only started for the international players on Thursday, yesterday. So if you can get Andre Onana in by Tuesday, Wednesday, pretty good. Pretty good going. Yeah. With one in already. And I think we might see the Hoyland deal run closer to the Anthony deal from last year. So we know that obviously Hoyland is available. There are actually more than one club after him now. So it's not just Manchester United in there. So that will create a bidding war. And obviously his club will be quite happy about, about that because that helps with them uh, moving the player on at the right price. But you might see that United have to do more haggling on that with Hoyland. But I still believe they'll get him as well. I think that him as a Manchester United fan, the connections we've already got with our football club. Um, that that's a deal you can do. But again, you might have to be a little bit more patient on that one. Whereas Renana, Scott, you can't go forward without your goalkeeper. Like there's no point like wanting to be an attractive ball playing team from the back, but then bringing in Onana when the season starts. Like that would be nonsensical. He's actually one essential part of the ingredients from the back. So you need him as soon as possible. I don't think United have paid over massively. Like it's not a huge extra commitment for a goalkeeper that you hope is going to be your goalkeeper for the next five or six years. Why will this goalkeeper be Man United's goalkeeper for the next five or six years, Rob? Well, there's some obvious traits, which we've already talked about over previous shows, but we will reiterate some of them. But I think the biggest one here, Scott, is just understanding what the coach wants. The times last year where we watched David Haye, I'd watch him from my seat. And it was clearly that David Hayer had some instructions from, from the manager. Yeah. Start on this part of the box, sweep these areas, go look after it. And you'd watch the Hayer do it reluctantly. And Arna won't be reluctant. And Arna will get told to do it and he'll do it. And that's huge for a manager. This is why he's bought Mason Mount. Because when he tells people to press, he tells Fred to press. And Fred runs around like a nutter. And Bruno runs around in the wrong areas. Mason Mount won't do that. Mason Mount will do it in the right areas. Anana will sweep like a sweeper keeper. So this is that's number one. And that's huge, isn't it? You've got a goalkeeper that is effectively an extra centre-back. It's like playing three at the back, isn't it? And you, your centre-backs can do this, Scott, go further apart. Anana can come into the middle. And then strikers of the opposing team are stuffed. What do they do? Do they go to him, to him, to him? 
They always went to De Gea, didn't they? So that's number one. What do you think, Scott, as well? Why do you think we are targeting this goalkeeper? Well, I mean, obviously, Eric Ten Hag knows him uh, and sees him as a relatively imperative. He sees a goalkeeper anyway as the first line of the attack, essentially. And I think that we know that he's worked with Andrew Nana before and he knows exactly what he's going to get out of him. I will say now, I think Andrew Nana is going to scare the crap out of me sometimes uh, until I get used to it. I think he will inevitably make some mistakes, but you know, David De Gea was making a lot of mistakes last season, and that's both with his feet and with his handling. Uh, Onana had a great season last season, but I think, and I said this on a podcast I was on yesterday, in the second game of last season, when David De Gea passed the ball to Christian Eriksen, and Christian Eriksen got dispossessed and Brentford scored. And throughout that game, really, because they lost 4-0, they conceded four goals in the first half, and it was one of the worst days in Man United's history. You know, Ten Hag that day realized, I can't do things the way that I want to do things with the squad of players that I've got. And that's, the goalkeeper is so imperative to that. And if Ten Hag knows that I've got this, this guy, David De Gea, who his distribution isn't great, he doesn't exactly inspire confidence. There, there, were, there were years with David De Gea's ability to save shots and, and stop chances from the opposition mm-hmm. would give confidence and massive confidence to the def- defense in front of him. That's flipped over the last few years because the game's changed so much, the position's changed so much, and goalkeepers now have to be footballers as well as goalkeepers. And David De Gea, who's tweeting e- emojis of like, do you know what these mean, by the way? We'll, t- we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> you know, I think it is so imperative to the transition and in style of play for Eric Ten Hag to have a goalkeeper like Andre Onana. There's probably others out there. There's probably cheaper ones you can get. But Onana's at the right age. He's had the right experience to come in and have a test at Premier League level. I'm quite excited. I'm excited too. And, and, you know, the manager has this kind of tried and tested thing in his head about if I want to achieve this, how do I take that journey and get there? And you're totally right. I think last year we saw that Man United did play out from the back for quite a a long time. You know, like you would see the centre-back split. You'd see the the position of Luke Shaw and, say, uh, Delo or Wan-Bissaka in terms of being further up the pitch in the winger's position. All of this is about the stylistic principles and the the philosophy from the goalkeeper. What does the goalkeeper do? How can the goalkeeper make five passes rather than one or two? And we know with David De Gea that wasn't the case. And as the season went on, Scott, and the team got more tired and vitally you lost your ball-playing centre-back from the left with Martinez, is that what did Man United do, Scott? It went a lot longer. David De Gea was like, head up, I'm I'm hitting it long. And do, do Man United have a target player up there? Have they ever had a target player up there? Absolutely not. So this is why he's an essential sign-in, is that he can do all those things. I put a tweet out a few days ago, and it's been retweeted a lot and regurgitated a fair bit. And I put it out there about what Anana does, really, like what he really does. And the, the thing for him is that if he gets the ball on the edge of the box, Scott, he doesn't just have one or two passes on. He can effectively pass to all the 10 outfield players. He's that good. He can, he can also hit, run with the ball. <laughs> he can run with the ball, but he can hit that ball in the same way that Edison can. So one thing with Edison and Man, Man City is that Man City went longer last year, didn't they? Why? Because of Haaland. So they did that. They exploited that. That was clever of Pep. 
But he could do that because he had a goalkeeper that threatens that. And then the op- opposition look at that and go, oh, we, we better back off this goalkeeper. That's going to happen with Anana now. Anana's going to look up, Scott, and he's going to see Rashford in the channel. And he's going to go, well, Rashford beats everyone every time. Mm. I'm going to clip that ball into the channel with a bit of backspin. So when it hits the ground, it's just going to hold up and Rashi's going to run on it. Now, David couldn't do that. <laughs> you know, David Haye does not have that skill set. So when you're the manager, you have to take that out of your plan, don't you? Because you know, we man- my goalkeeper can't do that, but I'm not going to kill him. But yeah, he's also making handling errors. He doesn't come for crosses. His feet are not particularly that good. So I think through the season, that problem kind of escalated, didn't it? Six months ago, wasn't as big a deal. But as you get to the end of the season, you need a brand new goalkeeper. There's no doubt that Anana, I said it before, potentially the best goalkeeper in the world with his feet. Potentially. But he's going to make mistakes. Man United fans. Yeah, just be prepared for that. They're either going to love him or hate him. Yeah. Or or be somewhere maybe in the middle. But it would not surprise me if it comes to Man United and on game one, makes one absolutely awful error with his feet. And then all the content, everything is towards on Arna's a bust on day one. (laughs) You know, I can see it now. I can predict it. But I think the bigger thing here is the long game. And and I don't mean actually on the pitch. I mean the long game in terms of your philosophy. And that is that Anana gives you things as a goalkeeper, technicality that you just did not have last season. Yeah, you mentioned that. And I'll I'll build on it a little bit. Harry, who's our producer, um, is an Arsenal fan and was quite critical last season of Man United not really having a properly imprinted style of play. And I said to him yesterday Mm. on a show that, well, Eric Ten Hag had to make that adjustment. He wanted to be able to make his team straight away play under his philosophy, but he simply did not have the tools in the box to execute things properly. And we saw that in the first, we saw that at Brentford. We saw that in other matches. Andre Onana now being so comfortable on the ball is going to give United a completely new dimension. I think we've said this on the on shows in recent po- uh, Promise Land episodes, Rob. The fact that Onana can actually bring the ball out himself, can pass the ball to any of the other 10 players on the pitch, as you said, United's players now, and, and also sweep behind. So United's players now can have confidence, and the Ten Hag can probably have more confidence that the players can push up and squeeze up, press higher, condense the space while leaving more space behind. But now they have a goalkeeper who can come in and come out, sweep up, run to the halfway line, do stuff that Manuel Neuer has been famed for doing over the past few years and be comfortable doing it. David De Gea, you could see it. There was so much hesitancy in his brain when this, yeah. this kind of thing happened last season. He did, he did do it quite well at times. But that split second of hesitancy when it's not natural to you can lose you the ball. You can lose possession because of that, but Onana won't think twice about it. And yes, there will be times where Onana probably gets it wrong. You just have to brace yourself for that. And there's going to be probably Twitter viral compilations of Man United spent 55 million euros on this bloke. There's already them. They exist already. Look at all his mistakes. Like it's everywhere already. <laughs> but you have to, and I said this about Mason Matt, you have to trust Ten Hag knows what he wants. Yeah. And... If anything, Ayrton Hagen in his first year with the signings he's made, even Lisandro Martinez, like some people say, oh, this guy's too short. Turns out he's mm-hmm. actually a pretty good signing. So he's earned that right to go totally. and get the players that he wants. Totally. And, and I always talk with football in terms of like the progressive side of it is about 
buying players that make other players better. How can you do that? It's not always about buying the Haaland who gets you 50 goals. Like That's a kind of anomaly, isn't it? He's a freak of nature. But when you look at your team, you're trying to glue the pieces together. So when you're Pep Guardiola, you're in the marketplace and you're looking for a Bernardo Silva, you know, someone like Gundogan who's already at your club and putting him in a different position. You're always looking for ways of making the jigsaw pieces kind of fit more naturally so you can play your style. Look at it like this with Andre Anana. Yeah, there will be mistakes from him. There's no doubt about it. It will happen. But think about the goalkeeper getting the ball on the penalty spot. When that ball comes to his feet on the penalty spot, and when it was De Gea, that ball was always either going square to our fullbacks. I think Aaron Wambasaka dropping in and getting the ball. You're giving the ball to a fullback who hasn't got the technicality to look after it there. And you're suddenly under pressure. Those days are gone. That's not happening anymore. Aaron Wambasaka will be able to go up the pitch and get the ball in a safer area. And Anana will be able to get his head up on the penalty spot and clip it to him. And the ball gets to him in one second. Like you just said there, Scott, the hesitancy of a goalkeeper is what the, uh, the press of the opposite team want. They want to see it in the goalkeeper's eyes. He's hesitant. We're going to press him. He's going to push the ball wide and we're going to set a trap. And then we're in. Happened to Man United a lot last year and in many years gone by. Anana's going to remove that. Just think about this now, Scott. Anana to Martinez, and Martinez with space now, be able to turn and dribble the ball into midfield. Even look at it like this, Scott. Harry Maguire might stay. Harry Maguire's not getting that hospital pass anymore. Yeah, and, and obviously he's a big unit and, and struggles with mobility, but he's now probably going to be able to turn into space and know the goalkeeper gives him a good ball. So all of that stuff matters, you see. This is making players better you know, and being able to do different things. Do you know what I've just thought of? Do you remember when Harry Maguire was at Leicester and he would just dribble out of, cent out of central defence and run to the opposition penalty area? Yeah. I think I've seen him do that once at yeah. Man United. Yeah. Does that give Harry Maguire more ability to do that if he plays? Yeah, like, I don't think when Harry Maguire's made mistakes in the last, say, 12 months or whatever, have had bad performances, I'm not blaming David De Gea. I think that kind of is, again, a bit of an anomaly. But we do know that if that's in your head and you know that that's the only ball that you're getting, you're going to yourself be hesitant, aren't you? I'm getting a bad ball and I have to deal with that bad ball. So I've got to go sideways or I can't turn because I know I'm going to be pressed. So those things matter. If, if Maguire stays, and we believe that he probably will, and say he picks up minutes because Varane gets injured or something like that, or even plays on the left with Martinez gets injured, I think now he's going to get an extra five seconds of space. That could change his whole game, yeah? It could change his whole game. So, again, when you're the manager, you are looking at ways how one player can affect 10 positions. How does it make it work? Just talked about Bernardo Silva there, who might not be at Man City by the time the season starts. Bernardo Silva, in the big games, has basically played fullback, yeah? Because he has the ball control there to get the ball and get you moving. Now, can you imagine if a wide player for Man United played fullback like that? We'd all be going, what's going here? Scratching your head. Man United now got options because of this one goalkeeper coming in. And it's huge. Like I think for Ted Hag, it is a kind of solving an existential crisis, like something that he probably can't solve with his goalkeeper stock now, but with his new goalkeeper can most certainly try and solve those problems. And there's going to be a lot of players that are appreciative that they're going to be getting better passes on a football pitch. Just the truth. Yes, indeed. Uh, anything to add on Andre Onana? Before no, I think, I, I think, I think we're all going to, 
I think we're all going to really like him over time. Like it might take some time if he makes a few errors. But uh, like I highlighted there about De Gea trying to start last season on the edge of his box and slowly but surely ended up back in his box. It's not going to happen. This lad is going to live on the edge of his box and he's going to be a footballer with his feet. He makes good saves. Last year, it's critical. His metrics for saves were better than De Gea. So let's put that out there. That's the truth. And he was a big part of Inter Milan getting to a European Cup final. So I think it's a great signing, a stellar signing. I hope, obviously, it gets done now in the next few hours. And we really do believe now that this deal is done and that Manchester United... Manchester United might not announce it yet because, you know, like Mason Mount took them 10 days to announce it, like they do, because they want to do all the social media stuff and take the pictures and make it all look shiny and exciting. But I do think that Anana is, uh, is the guy that Ten Hag wants and he wants to come to Man United. It's a done deal. Personal terms, agreed, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. I think if, if United artists strike a deal today, I think you could probably see Onana traveling to England in the next few days, undergoing medical, et cetera, all of those kind of checks, probably on Monday, I would say, or maybe over the weekend. It depends how quickly they want to do it. But ideally, they want him in training as soon as possible. So I would be looking at potentially Tuesday announcement. Maybe? Yeah, quite, quite often guess. the... Quite often these things go in line with Manchester United's principles around the New York Stock Exchange. So quite often when the Stock Exchange opens on Monday, Manchester United normally spend the weekend prepping stuff to be able to put that out to the, to its market and to put it out there with a brand new player. And that normally holds things up two or three days over a weekend. So I, I can see him travelling maybe even this weekend, Scott, to Manchester. There'll be pictures of him at WH Smith on the Lowry or something like that. Look, there's Andre Nana. He's in Manchester. And, and I think that... that he could be in for a medical at Man United's hospital, maybe on Monday or Tuesday. Indeed. Anything on David De Gea? Um, I don't know what his latest uh, emoji reaction on Twitter meant. Let's see. What does what does this one mean? I'm just looking up his Twitter now. What does it say? Oh well, he's, he's got married. There was a so he's, he's tweeted, "Life is beautiful" on July first, June twenty eighth, a yawning emoji. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday, July sixth. I don't even know what this is. Is it? Oh, it's, it's a. It's juggling. It's a juggling emoji. What is he uh, juggling? juggling? Several offers. Juggling his offers. Juggling his emotions. Juggling kind of maybe having to read a lot of the horrible tripe that gets thrown at him on social media because I think that's really probably more what it is. Um, David De Gea has got offers, and David De Gea doesn't want to stay at Man United for 120 grand a week to sit on the bench. Like that's done. Um, but I think for him more, like I, I still, I said it the other week and I'll just reiterate it very quickly. Man United fans, just get off your high horse. Stop attacking players. Stop attacking David De Gea on social media because you want a ball playing goalkeeper. Like just grow up for God's sake. So I, I think David De Gea is a Man United legend. Always will be welcome back to our football club. No doubt the David De Gea podcast will be coming somewhere quite soon in a year or two where he reflects mm-hmm. on his time at Manchester United. That will be a thing. Bookmark that now. Um, but no, good luck to him. I, I can kind of see him probably accepting an offer from Saudi. Like it, it, They're offering him a lot of money and he doesn't need to take a pay cut, does he, Scott? I don't think there's a Champions League club in for him as it stands. Um, there might be other opportunities, and yes, not on that money anyway. Juggling emojis. What? Like, let's hope it's not you juggling the football, Davin, and drop it at a striker's feet. Like that's not what that juggling emoji should be about. Um, but I think he just has to decide now. I think now the Anana thing will become public and obviously move on to the next stage. 
that David De Gea will make his own decision pretty swiftly. A decision that was made was uh, Mason Mount to join Man United. That deal is confirmed. And Rob, yeah, fair play. You called the number seven. Indeed. Called the number seven. Manchester United want that number seven in motion now. The new kit is out now. And that means not waiting six weeks, six months, six years to put someone in that most famous shirt. So obviously some Man United fans a little bit miffed by that number seven. But yes, we called it. We called it here on the show because I think with Mason Mount, this is a player that Man United put a lot of faith in. So whether people rate him or not or think he's going to be a world superstar or not, this to me, this is the way I'm going to describe it. I'm going to get killed for this. It kind of reminds me. Oh, no, shall I say it? I'm going to say Go it. Go on, you have I'm to. I'm going to say it. it. When Real Madrid signed Luka Modric from Tottenham Hotspur, right? People went, what's going on here? Luka Modric, he's pretty good for Spurs, but he's a number 10 and he can only do limited things. And he weighs seven foot, you know, he weighs seven stone and he's three foot one and blah, 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 blah. And that's what that was. And of course, Luka Modric has proved himself, hasn't he? Ballon d'Or winner, I think. Wasn't he you voted know, as the worst signing in the league? In his first season, Luka Modric. Quite, quite possibly. I think he was. Now, now, I think the thing is that the, the reason why I talk about that in the same breath as Mason Mount is that the, the sign in itself kind of reminds me of that. A player who you might describe as a mid-level player, who might you might also describe as limited in certain functions, is that when he's actually doing the job in the middle of a better team or an improving team or a good team, that they suddenly look like a worldie. Now, I think with Mason Mount, I would have signed Lavia before him. And everyone went, oh, why are you saying that, Rob? Well, just because the needs must. I wanted that kind of player. I still think Man United are looking for a number six. But I think when it stands with Mason Mount is that he's going to help you in the press in a way like Anana will with the ball at the feet from the back. And Man United are going to go from being a decent pressing team, say mid-season last year. They did get all right at it. And then it fell away when everyone got knackered and injured. Mason Mount is going to make you so much better on the counter press to the point where I think we're going to be going. There's a little bit of Modric is about this boy in the number eight. He can move anywhere. He's got a pass on him. He's got vision. Oh my God, he can score a goal. He's got a really great free kick. He's got set piece. Or he's got all sorts of set pieces in his locker. I think he's going to be pretty popular, Scott. And that's why they're giving him the number seven. Because if he's popular, gets back in the England squad, and those two things work like that, that's a marketing man's dream. And he'll wear the seven. They'll sell millions of shirts worldwide on it. And Mason Mount will be that player. We did say on the last show, I'm sure that in his first interview with uh, Man United's official channels, that he will talk about the Ronaldo free kick against Portsmouth that he was present for. So I have some comments for you. I had a lot of inspirations looking at, obviously, Ronaldo. I know you've seen the little video of me when I was younger. I love watching him play in his free kicks. David Beckham was also a massive inspiration of mine growing up with his free kicks, and I was in awe of his technique. So yeah, I've had a lot of inspiration from many players, but you take a little inspiration from different parts of their games and try and put it into yours. I was probably around 10, note he was nine years old, say 90min.com, uh, when he was there for that Ronaldo free kick against Portsmouth. I was there in the away end supporting my team, Pompey, and was able to witness that special moment. And I think that video of me taking the free kick was in train in training was after that day. So it inspired me and seeing that special moment, I was in the away end, as I said, in awe of that situation. So I'd love to now replicate it. Uh, he also said that he wasn't in Chelsea's plans either, which is interesting considering the stick. Do you think that he's got a lot of stick, hasn't he? Like, I don't know if you've seen it, but obviously massively unfair in my opinion, but 
Yeah, interesting because Chelsea fans have been saying this guy is a turncoat. This guy doesn't is not proper Chelsea. This guy is, you know, doesn't care about the club. Well, you're not really gonna stay with the club when they're not putting you in their plans, right? That's that's Twitter Chelsea. So like Twitter Chelsea are full of it, like Twitter Man United are full of it at times. And yes, this boy is now a kind of demon to them, and it's an easy target, isn't it? I think real Chelsea fans and, and certainly the Chelsea fans that I've I, I've spoken to, ones that work around the club as well, have, have wished him well and said, no, you've not been part of the club's plans. What can you do? Um, look, Scott, let's be honest. We knew six months ago he wasn't part of their plans. Chelsea were shopping him during last season. They were talking and there was talk, obviously, about... I think Manchester United's first approach to Mason Mount were, was around that time. I think it was around the January transfer window to chat about the potential of this. So if you're Mason Mount, yeah, you could take the offer that Chelsea took to you, but it's a bit like De Gea. You're not going to go sit on the bench and think that you're happy with that. You've mentioned before, Scott, with players, that we're coming into a, a tournament year, like we're coming forward for the international side of it. Mason Mount wants to be in England's team and England's plans, and he's not going to do that from Chelsea's bench. So I don't think that he feels bad about that. Like, I don't think he looks at this and thinks, oh, you know, I'm kind of doing the dirty on my old team it's Todd Bowley, lads. Like, you know, if you've got a problem with it, go speak to Todd Bowley. Todd Bowley's the one who hasn't made these things work. And he's the one who's making Chelsea go in a certain direction that might ultimately be successful. Like, they might win stuff next year, Scott, and then we'll be saying something else. But I think Mason Mount, good pickup, good price. I think he's going to like life at Old Trafford. Like, his talk yesterday in the last few days, he's been just talking about winning. That's all he's talking about. I'm a winner. I'm here to win. That's all I care about. And I like that. You know, I actually quite like that he's had success at Chelsea and he can actually go, well, I've got that experience. Can I bring that to Manchester United? And this is why I think Ten Hag, again, looks at him as a really, really shrewd signing. Did you see when they met, Scott, for their photo? And did you see the the audio of it? And Ten Hag kind of said, just like on the cuff, you know, really good player. Now get on the pitch and work. <laughs> that's what he said to him. And it was like, and that's what it is, isn't it? I think that's what Mason Man wants, a manager that just says that to him and says, go out there, do your best, and I'll help you as long as you help me. I can see him being a really successful number eight at Man United. Well, now, it, Eric Ten Hag did say, I think you're going to be a very important player for this club. I think that was another thing that was picked up in that audio. So. He did. And, and again, one of the pieces I did before about it and some of the Twitter bits and bobs, I did a whole thing a few weeks ago about why United are signing Mason Mount and that's because they want him to be a number eight. Yeah. And people go, but he's never played number eight. And it's like, well, I know that, but he thinks he's a number eight and Ten Hag thinks he's a number eight. Guess what? So uh, he did talk about that, the Mason Mount in his Man United presser and said, you know, I believe I'm a number eight. That's my best position. That's where I'd like to play. But I'll play, obviously, wherever the manager wants me. Well, the manager wants you to play as a number eight. So I think we're going to see Mason Mount playing as the eight and Casemiro as the six and seeing Man United build around that 4-1-5 shape. More talking has been done by Sir Jim Ratcliffe, who has insisted his bid for the club is very much alive, despite claims from the Qatar side that the race is won by them obviously mm. the glazers still have a decision to make and the decision process is still ongoing and process is the word that sir jim has used there is a process we are in the process we have a good offer we've met with the glazers a couple of times and had a good conversation but at the end of the day it is their decision we still very much would like to do it 
I also believe we would do a good job and do it for the right reasons. We keep very focused on it. And he added, in terms of the reasons why he wants this deal to go through, they ain't making them anymore. Manchester United and these types of clubs, it's like art or areas like that where you have special things and their value continues to pick up over time because they're very special and very rare. I don't like throwing a money away or losing money. It doesn't make me happy at all, but we aren't there to make money out of it. If it's a really good asset, it will increase its value over time. Mm. And I agree with that, to be fair. Yeah, I do as well. Look, we, we've deliberately, and we've said this on our show and we said it to each other, we, we've tried to not steer away from the subject of ownership because it's so toxic, first of all, as a, as a subject matter. But we want to talk about actual real things. And Jim Ratcliffe saying this is like reality. It's just kind of his version of it and what he thinks. Now, people obviously know our, our opinions about what we would prefer as kind of football fans and journalists. But I think overall, when you look at Jim Ratcliffe's words the last few days, and we don't work for Jim Ratcliffe. Can we just say this? Like People are always like, oh, you all work for Ineos. No, we don't. We don't work at all for the, these factions. We don't work for Ineos. We don't work for Qatar. Neither of them. Yeah, we, we are in the middle. We try and be as impartial as possible. But when I was younger, Scott, the reason why I wanted to write about football was because I loved Manchester United and Manchester United to me was art. That's why I said, and I, and I wrote pieces at the time saying this when, you know, 15 years ago, yeah, my first football articles, I would talk about the art of football. Football's an art, yeah? You're, you're in it not because you're just into a sport or because you want to win. It's a whole emotional, artistic side of football. So I'm quite happy that one of these owners is talking about that in that fashion. It's not this, can we win this? We want to win this race. Well, yeah, of course, if you're bidding, of course you want to win it, don't you? I want to hear from Sheikh Jassim. I want to hear what he has to say. I don't want to hear, well, we've got the most money or we're going to put together the biggest deals or, we, you know, we will put Man United back on the top of the mountain. We don't need an owner to put us on the back of the top of the mountain. We are the mountain. Yeah, we don't need it. So we need an, we need someone actually that just facilitates football deals and gets things done with Manchester United's money. So Jim Ratcliffe, I think I, I liked what he said, but is he the favourite to get the club? Probably not at the moment, but it's really down to the Glazer families to sort out their civil war. And then once they have, we might get some kind of decision. Glad to hear that Ineos have said this also, but as I said to you, Scott, of Cameron, I've said it, I think maybe on camera as well. Uh, when Ineos pull out, then we know it's done. That's when we'll know. Or when Qatar pulls out, that's when we'll know it's done. We're not going to hear it the other way around. Every time you hear a Qatari newspaper said the deal is finished and blah, 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 and Twitter goes mad, you are being lied to. So people need to understand that. They're playing on your emotions. You didn't see Rio Ferdinand's uh, breaking news. <laughs> what did he say? It's like, oh, yeah, we've heard some stuff about Qatar. Yeah, yeah. What Rio reached... the next day, next 24 hours or so, and then it's like, oh. What Rio reads Twitter? So, no, no, so, right? nothing, nothing actually. No, nothing. no, no. Rio Ferdinand does not have any has connections with Manchester United, but actually doesn't have any like, kind of hierarchical connections. And you know, it's not a slant at Rio, but when the news is breaking and Twitter is breaking, and all these things, it becomes a melee. I think you can see those who get excited about it and jump in on it, you know, with the fan channels and whatever. And I actually think journalists tend to pull away a little bit because we want to know facts. We don't want to talk about hearsay. There's a lot of hearsay, isn't there? So, no, Qatar haven't bought the football club. Qatar are no closer to buying the football club than they were six weeks ago or eight weeks ago or 12 weeks ago. It's it's completely down the middle at the moment about who could actually get this football club because the Glazers haven't decided themselves. Value-wise, Scott, 
the value still lies with Ineos. Ineos have actually put together the deal that Glazers feel has the most value to them. But Qatar's deal, of course, is a big cash lump of money, isn't it? And that's also something they're thinking about. So it's a wait and see still, isn't it? But we wanted to talk about that today because I think Ratcliffe's comments were quite interesting. Say that they don't make them like they used to. I, I agree with that. Like Man United, maybe Man United, Liverpool, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Juventus. That's it. Like, sorry, Paris Saint-Germain and Newcastle United and Manchester City do not fit into this club. This club is very elite and very exclusive. And of course, that's why Manchester United is such a talking point every day of the week. Yeah, like we say, we don't know. It's up to the Glazers. It's still up to the Glazers. We deliberately avoid talking about the takeover because there's essentially never going to be... this. When we have news on the takeover, there's actually news. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll do a show about it and you'll you know, read the tweets. And we'll, we'll do little... You know, doing little snippets of shows when it's actually news, not just, oh, it's yeah. done. How many times have I heard this deal's done over the past eight months? If, if anyone's from Qatar who is part of their deal is watching our show, and maybe, maybe they're probably not, but if you are, please tell the potential owner of Manchester United and tell uh, the, the guy here who's putting it all out there that, you know, he's bought the club and it's done. I want to see him in front of a camera, Scott. Get in front of a camera. Tell us what you really think. Don't put it out through a million social media channels because that's spin. Um, so that's why I've kind of appreciated Jim Ratcliffe doing that newspaper article and talk, talking about it candidly. Because what's he got to hide? Like, nothing. Um, is he the greatest guy on earth? No, he isn't. Like, he really isn't. There's a lot of things to talk about with Jim Ratcliffe and Ineos as a company. But I think that, as you said, when we know some more football information, we will 100% do it on the promised land. Yes, a lot of it is hearsay. So we will... Next time we touch on it, we might have some news. Personally, I'm thinking now, right off the transfer window, I don't think this is getting done until <laughs> September, exactly. before the end of the year. That's kind of how I'm thinking about it. Anyway, and if if something happens before that is a sale, it's a nice surprise in the meantime. Just to add to that as well, just very quickly to end that that segment, um, we do know we, we, in the bid offers and what been been put forward that obviously metaphorical valuations on transfers have been put forward by the potential new ownerships. So I think the Glazers are actually working around that as well about, you know, when they sell the club, as you said, could be any time like today, next year, never, that they actually do feel that, that there will be money pumped into those things. So this is why Manchester United are not sitting on their hands in the transfer market because Manchester United know that their investment is incoming or they can restructure what they do within the club to make the investment work. So th this is why Anana will get done and it's not, oh, well, we just haven't got the money. Well, yeah, there is money floating around and there will probably be more money pumped into the club by a new owner in the future. That's it for today. That is the promised land running order run through. Final thoughts? Final thoughts. Kind of excited about Anana. You know, my catchphrase used to be, don't get too high, don't get too low. But I think you can get high about this goalkeeper. Get excited about him because I think it will change the way we play. And, and I'm hoping next season, Scott, isn't just about success. Like winning football matches is important, yes. But we want to see Man United move on, don't we? We want the needle to shift a little bit to show that this manager can, say, maybe do what Arteta has done at, at, uh, at Arsenal over a longer period. Ten Hag's done it in a quicker period, isn't he? And let's hope that we are title contenders next year. 
buying these types of players should help you go on and be a team that wins more football matches and more points. And I think Anana, he could be a revolution at Man United. Like, that's how I described it. You know, like I know the manager described him as magnificent before and, you know, like world-class and everything. And, you know, he loves Anana. But can you imagine a goalkeeper from the back sliding those balls in? At, like 10 passes, Scott. He's got 10 passes on. I think that's quite exciting. I'm looking forward to being at Old Trafford for that. Totally. Uh, follow us on social networks, Twitter at double underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at promise and MU. And if Twitter is broke for you at double underscore Scott Saunders on TikTok, Instagram and threads. Rob is not on those currently, but let's make a campaign for Rob to start a TikTok account. I, I, I might start a new TikTok account, but I'm also rejigging my YouTube presence. So if you all like YouTube and like the content that we make here, I'll let you know in the next few weeks what I'm doing with that. But uh, yes, you might see a little bit more Rob Blanchett on YouTube. Yes, indeed. Wait and see for announcements. Uh, Come and join us as well in Las Vegas from July 28th at UnitedCon. Visit united-con.com to book your place now. I think we'll be hopefully going to the United versus Borussia Dortmund fixture in the Vegas heat in late July, start of August. So uh, yeah, if you're keen, visit united-con.com to book your place and we'll see you next week when hopefully Andre Onana is holding up one of those new Man United goalkeeper shirts with a, a squad number on the back of it. We feel like it's that close. Number one. We feel like it's that close. Yeah. So fingers crossed. There might be some progress on Rasmus Hoyland by then as well. And we'll talk about him at a later date. Thanks for listening, everyone. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube. Head over to the channel, like, subscribe, leave a comment for us as well from Scott and Rob. We'll see you next time for another Promise Land. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.